You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2309 North Broad Street. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 and 7 p.m. So it's our last Sunday together here at this space. A lot of things, a lot of feelings you might have about that. We're about to embark on a new adventure together and a new era for our church, for our whole congregation. Um, we're consolidating with our, our friends on Frankfurt Ave, our family members, our tribe, our extension of the tribe. It's a big step. And you've, I, I, I want to say that this, is, this, this kind of thing can tear a place apart. And you've demonstrated, uh, and you personally, faithfulness and agility, adaptability, and flexibility in considering it and moving into it. Um, And that takes a lot of courage and strength. And it's hard to move with what the Spirit's doing next. Um, It's one of the hardest things to do to move into something new and move where the Spirit is going. It's easier to hold on to what was or to hope we can reconstruct it in some way Circle of Hope from the outset has kind of been about this very idea, moving with what the Spirit's doing next. We have a proverb that says we are called to move with what the Spirit is doing next. And I like this next one because it really spoke to me at a time and place. Those of us from traditional Christian backgrounds are dying to our precious memories of church in order to bring the gospel into the present with great flexibility. And I love all the quotes, too, in it. I really, I'm a a big fan of all of our Proverbs. Um, And this one spoke to me at a time and place when Circle of Hope was something new for me. And I was ready to leave something behind. And when you are, it can be exciting to think about what's new. And if you frame it that way, this proverb and this idea is thrilling for some of us. Because we're so, we're so used, we're so ready to leave behind our parents' church or something. But it's not so easy when you have fond memories to leave behind. But it is just as essential to move with what God is doing next because God is moving. We can't hold on to the past. and We, we should learn from it, but we're more than our past. We should proceed to where God is leading us. Our life is a mission, in every, and, and it's a mission in God, and every form or structure that holds that is provisional. As ex- you know, th- this, this, our worship in this building is ending. Wasn't going to last forever anyway. Circle of hope won't last forever. You know, none of Paul's original churches really kept going, but they, they ceded the territory for newness to come. That's the kind of thing that we're doing. But the move we're making is small enough to show how big of a deal doing anything like this at all is. We're moving locations. We're joining about 100 adults at Frankfurt Ave. When they combine our children, the children we have right now, that's 50 children. That's a lot of kids. You saw how loud they were. At the, that was only like you know, 15 of them. You know, There's an immense volume that can happen from 50 children. It's going to be a whole different thing. You know, this, this building's only uh, 1.8 miles away from here. It's a 10-minute drive. It's the congregation that we hived from eight years ago. We have a common covenant. We have a common fund. We're made from the same fabric. 
the pastors are connected intimately. We have a leadership team that leads the whole church from each congregation. So in some ways, this consolidation isn't as extreme as it could be, but, and, and, and there's relational proximity. Many of us know each other too. It can still be difficult. And I want to hold that space while commending you on your courage in doing this. Doing something new at all is significant. I hope that this new thing is an opportunity for you to develop your faith. Even if this transition feels good and simple and some of you are ready to leave this building behind and go on to something else. I hope that this transition prepares you for other transitions in your life and prepares you for the future. It prepares you for uh, other necessary losses you might need to go through. I have to endure my own. I'll get into more of those later, but this place has meant something to me. We've left some work undone here that I hope we can complete from a different uh, outpost. We've done some wonderful things here. And, 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 and eight years ago, on a lot at 13th and Girard, we started this thing together. That was September 26, 2010. I think the best is yet to come. And I think we have a lot more good work to do. But it was hard for people, it's always been hard for people to endure changes. In Jesus' time, it was just as hard as it is now. It was hard to imagine how Jesus was going to change everything for the Jewish people that he met. I want to read a passage from John 2 where Jesus is very much disrupting the order of things. And I want you to imagine the reaction that he's getting and why it would be so passionate. Tarpy, you want to read this out loud? When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, Get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it is written, Zeal for your house will consume you. The Jews then responded to him, What sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture in the words that Jesus had spoken. Now while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew it was in each person. I really love this passage, and it tells the whole story again. And it tells the cultural tension that Jesus is entering into when he is this right. He goes into the temple. This was right, right, right before this, there was a wedding at Cana, and Jesus turned water into wine. It was the first big sign of who he was. Uh, and, and the whole community knew about it. And then he came into the temple and started disrupting things, knocking things over, scattering money around. That's like an annoying thing to experience. And he's just being disruptive. And then he, and then he offends them more, and I'll tell you why in a moment, um, by suggesting that the temple that they love so much will be, will be destroyed and he'll rebuild it in just three days. It's a symbol of national pride for the Jewish people, national identity for the Jewish people to have this temple. The entire story of the Old Testament is about identity and home. 
and a place. The Jewish people are defined by the, the freedom God, God gave them from the Egyptians and the land God promises them. They have this drive for identity and place and they suffer loss when they don't listen to God and they try to find it in other ways. And one of the ways they did it was by making this temple rather than being a place for worship, an object of worship. Started worshiping the, the, the things that symbolized their nationality. And by the way, that idea isn't so foreign today. Have you seen Americans do a similar thing? They have a lot of identity wrapped into it. The first temple was built by Solomon, destroyed by the Babylonians in the 7th century BC. King Herod built the second temple. Big construction program he had. He had aqueducts that he also formed. And the people loved it because it was giving them a sense of who they were, especially under their Roman occupiers. And so, yeah, tax us more. You're building us things that make us feel like a people again. And so it was a good exploitation of the, of the people that Herod had. Jesus here comes in and he says, destroy this temple and I'll build it in three days. It's offensive. And they say back to him, it, we, it took 46 years to build this. And you, and I love this because I'm, I'm taking a Greek class, so I have to tell you one little piece here. This word you is in the Greek, even though it's implied in the verb. The writer actually put the pronoun in there to emphasize. And you, of all people, are going to do this. It's, 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 it's an affront to them, and they make it clear. You, of all people, are going to raise it. He demonstrates that his body is going to be a temple, and we will learn, if we keep reading John, that we're going to eat his body and form his body. And, we'll, and, and, we'll, and, and Jesus will have a real new temple, a critique of the current order. He's bringing a whole alternative to the Jewish world and to the whole world, and it's so offensive to them, they kill Jesus. All he did was name who he was and what he was doing, and they killed him because they had a hard time accepting newness in our body, in, in, of his body, the inclusion of his body. They couldn't reject the old and move into what was new, and that's a hard thing to do. It's like what we're doing now, in a sense, moving into something new. You might feel apprehension or tension or hesitation about that. But it's an important part of our growth. The Jewish community here is suffering their own necessary loss to move with where, to move with where God is going. And, so, and, and you might be too. It's elemental to being a Christian to do this. Jesus says the only way to gain your life is to lose it. He's talking about the losses we endure. He's familiar with the loss. Familiar with our suffering familiar with our difficulty, and here to uh, comfort us. Here's the thing. If you spend your whole life delaying loss, if you spend your whole life avoiding suffering, which some people try to do, if you organize your family and your friends to protect you from any negative feelings that you might have, you're living a, uh, you might be living a diminishment of the fullness of your life. And unfortunately, you'll be living without consciousness of the loss of life, uh, of the loss of the life you could have had if you only embraced the losses before you. I've, I, I've been through this a number of times, and I want to share with you three losses that have been meaningful to me um, 
that have brought me to where I am now. First one was with my father. I talk about my dad a lot. He's a main character in my life. He's not dead. Far from it. But the man that I wish he was when I was younger, and maybe you can relate to this when you're thinking about your parents. The man that I wish he was when I was younger is gone. I felt disappointed by my dad. And in becoming one, I learned how easy it is to disappoint your children. I wish he had loved me in different ways. I wish he had affirmed me in different ways and helped me overcome my tendency towards shame. Dad wasn't very emotionally available or present. I missed affection as a child growing up, as a teen, as a young adult. I'm still missing it. I think he did the best to raise me, and he gave me a lot of faith, taught me how to work hard. I'm grateful for that, and I'm living proof he had some success as a father. That doesn't change the pain or the losses that I've experienced as a result, though. And it's okay to name them. But more than just enduring them, learning to accept who my dad was. Learning to accept that, largely speaking, he was good enough. It wasn't everything I needed, and that childlike idealism is something I needed to let go of. And I'm better for letting go of it. As hard as it was for me to acknowledge that my dad wasn't who I needed him to be, holding on to the hope that he might miraculously change and fulfill what he needed to fulfill when I was 11 doesn't make, didn't, doesn't make a whole lot of sense because you can't change that and leads necessarily to more pain. It's okay to let go of the bad and receive the good. And maybe as I learn to be gracious with him, I can be gracious with myself. As I learn to name the pain and losses of my dad, I can rest on my heavenly father who won't fail me. Who won't fail my earthly father either. So that's one. Another one, my friends. You ever break up with a friend? Some of you do this. You tell your friend, I'm not friends with you. And I've, I've never been that explicit. But I've lost some friends. It's a painful reality for being a pastor, to be honest. Being a friend to many is, an, is, is, is the inevitability of losing some. And I've gone through a series of losses that have been painful for me recently, and sometimes I lose a friend because I'm so, I'm so disappointed in who they are or who they're becoming. I realize we're not, as, we're not like we used to be. It hurts when I'm one of their necessary losses. I wish it weren't so, and sometimes I feel like I'd do anything to not lose them. I'm not sure that's been so healthy for me. Some people you need to let go of. Some people don't tell you uh, that they're leaving long before they do. It's tempting to hold on as if we can change reality. Letting go is okay, but that doesn't stop the pain. There are still people that I think of almost every day that I haven't seen in years. And some losses that stick with me. People in the church, people I've known for a long time in Philadelphia, people who are very intimate to me at some point. And my anger and sadness can get the best of me. I can begin to resent that they've left me and hurt me and blame them for my failures and my mistakes. But that isn't fruitful. It doesn't build up. It doesn't make me into who God is making me. And sometimes we 
necessarily lose friends. People move away, people move on, they break up, they mess up, they run off. And that's just going to happen. And, and, and it could be a temptation to never try to make any new friends because of the pain it might cause me. But it's still worth it for me to build something new to invest love and energy and emotion. It's still worth it to love and to connect and to attach. Yes, the pain and suffering that follows is almost inevitable. But the joy and the hope and the little piece of heaven that I experience in those relationships is worth the necessary risk and the necessary loss that might follow. I have to keep doing this. God is moving me to do it. I'm uh, constrained by God's love to keep relating and keep connecting. That's from 2 Corinthians 5. You know, it's not just a matter of uh, success or ambition or good feelings. I'm moved by God to keep connecting to people and keep making friends, even if it hurts when it doesn't work out. And that's, where I, that's, that's when, when we get to the faith part, losing your faith. I didn't lose mine, thank God, thanks to you, to be honest. But I might have if I tried to hold on to my faith the same way it was 10 years ago or 15 years ago or even 8 years ago when we planted this congregation. It's hard, for, it's hard to keep your faith if you aren't committed to developing it and growing it. It's, it's, it's a plant that needs to be nurtured and repotted. I grew up in a fundamentalist-style evangelical family. That was the pot for my faith. Suffice it to say, it was hard to keep for a long time. And a lot of my friends had the same kind of pot and they break the pot, and they lose the contents of it too. And their new religion can just become breaking pots. That's the religion of, uh, you might say, postmodernism. Deconstructing everything, breaking everything apart, never repotting the soil, never claiming your faith again, never planting it again and letting it grow. The new, the, the new pot is breaking them. I'm not sure that's good enough. We need to reconstruct our faith together, not just once, maybe all the time. Who is God to me? Who am I? That might give you a, those questions might give you a chance to reconstruct. But even doing it seasonally and yearly throughout your life matters. And for every major loss we endure, there's an opportunity for new faith. There's an opening for God to do something new. If we tried to stay the same Christians we were yesterday, I think our faith might get old. If we try to hold on to our parents' faith, our faith might die. We're moving with what the Spirit is doing next. Letting go of what we need to let go of and embracing what is before us. That's the journey that we're on now. Something new is coming. Something exciting is happening. Uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a new energy. You can even feel it in the room. Even the little disruption has already shifted us a little bit. The faith we had is a necessary loss. Holding loosely to what we've been given today helps us move into something new. That takes a lot of courage and bravery. And you've demonstrated that. Because you could, you could clench as tight as you could and not actually retain much. Hold it. It's hard to do that and keep your faith serious, though, because it might feel fleeting and, and ephemeral in that way. We need a grounding that's, a, that's bigger than just our ideas and our abstractions. This is a lesson I'm learning over and over again as I, as I uh, race to my mind the minute anything emotional happens. <laughs>
We need a lived reality. The church, the community, one that's centered on a dialogue of love and not some set of immutable doctrine, is the place for our faith to grow and develop. We can let go of what was and move into something new. So I hope this consolidation, this new journey that we're embarking on, gives you a chance to grow and develop in a new way, too. It will be a chance for our church to do that, and I'm looking forward to where we will go together. But I hope for you, too, it gives you a chance to evaluate, where am I now and where does God want me to go? Ask that question personally and see where God is leading you. What do you need to let go of? Who do you need to be next? Let go of the things that, go, that you need to let go of. Move into what God has for you next. I, 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 I was able to reflect on these necessary losses after I reflected on a book of the same title that Rod over there, you guys know Rod? I know. He's a development pastor, Circle of Hope, one of my main mentors. He recommended me. I read this about five years ago. I put it on my list, and I eventually got to the bottom of it. Here's the, here's the text. It's really a one, it's, it's a surprisingly uh, written in 1986 or something like that and still relevant today. This is, my, this is a quote at the end. She goes through your whole life and all the losses you'll endure all the way down to death. And she says, as for our losses and gains, we have seen how often they are, uh, sorry, I'm, not, I'm, I'm reading more of the quote. We have seen how often they are inextricably mixed. There is plenty we have to give up in order to grow. For we cannot deeply love anything without being vulnerable to loss. And we cannot become separate people, responsible people, connected people, reflective people, without some losing and leaving and letting go. I hope you can take that to heart and see where God is leading you next. Um, God is leading us somewhere good. There are things we're going to leave behind. Even in this building, these partitions are not coming with us. And new opportunities, that's literally a fact, by the way, and new opportunities for us to go in. So I'm glad we're doing this together. Let's pray and do a little talk back, shall we? Thank you, Lord, for being here, for being present, for being faithful to us. Just like you changed the whole Jewish world in your incarnation and life and resurrection. May you keep changing us and transforming us to where you're leading. Amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.